Hello, and welcome to the Coach's Corner. My name is Jason Flores, one of the coaches from the Endurance Lab, and I'm here with our coaches, Taya, Mitch, and Ian. And we're going to have a quick chat about what was going on in the lab today. But before that, we're going to get caught up with the coaches, and what we're going to do is pose a question to them. It's on off the cuff, and we want to hear what they had as their last meal. So we're going to start with Mitch. What did you have for dinner last night, Mitch? Oh, geez, I've got to think here. So um, we had uh, we had just pasta and sauce last night. And, uh, and for lunch, we actually had chicken chili that was left over the night before. Nice, nice, nice. All right, Ian, what, what was for dinner? What was your last meal? Did you wake up in the middle of the night for some ice cream? No, no, no. I, uh, I, was, I was very good last night. I only had kale, spinach, and beets. Are you kidding me? Beets. Everybody, knows Everybody knows that's why. I had a big... Big plate of pasta. <laughs> very good, very good. Looks like we got some big um, training days happening today. Um, all right, Taya, Taya, put us to shame. What did you have for dinner last night? There you go. So today is a recovery day for me. So my meal last night was uh, mixed beans. So uh, two three-color beans with some green beans. And then uh, Brussels sprouts with uh, sun-dried tomatoes and guacamole and eggs. Oh, there's, there's no hope. There's no hope because Andrea is not on the channel to, to have a better dinner than that. So for dinner last night, um, it was pretty good. Uh, we tried this new Mediterranean place here at our house, and we had this nice gyro sandwich. So it was uh, lamb strips um, over this nice salad with uh, uh, that Mediterranean dressing that they have. So very, very good. Um, very fun. We are real people. We eat real food. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's a good time. All right. We're going to jump in. Um, we're going to talk about what we did in the in the lab this week, uh, and we'll start out with um, strength and our multi-sport side of things. So, Ian, um, how did things go um, on the testing week here? Yeah, so we dialed back the strength quite a bit this week because everyone was testing. We still did a little bit of working, working out, but for the multi-sport side and for the cyclists, we had testing. The cyclists, you know, you guys only got to, had to do one test. <laughs> it's a much easier life for you guys, whereas the uh, multi-sport athletes had to do three. Uh, we did the 5K timed run the 1K time swim, and then did the same math test. We're going to go a little bit more into the math test later on, but it was uh, pretty good. We had a couple people who've already done all three tests and come back with really good results, including one who we're going to talk about later. So pretty stoked about it. I unfortunately did not get the test this week, though. That'll come up later. Awesome, awesome. All right, and as far as um, our SST workouts, lots of SST this week. Um, as far as the work that we're doing, we've got SST pyramids and uh, um, two variations of our intervals of 1653 and um, 2554. So plenty of work to be done on the SST side. And I think our riders are definitely getting a feel as they're getting out and then doing their rides in real world or on here on Zwift. As you get past that 60 minute mark um, and into that threshold into 60 and 90 minutes, you're finding yourself with the ability to be able to push at this just sub threshold effort um, because you guys are doing the work. Um, you are working at a lower effort, but able to put out a high amount of power. And I think we're getting those stories more and more. So great job, everybody. And of course, the all elusive um, math test um, that everybody had um, on the cycling side as well as on the multi-sport side. As far as skills, Taylor, what did we have going on today? This weekend. So just like you said, uh 
Jason, we have been doing a lot of sweet spot work. And if you look back at the past eight weeks, all the time that you spent in that range of 85 to 95% of FTP is a lot of time. And that really is what is building your aerobic engine. So you're going to be able to sustain that power once you move on and do other things with your season. Let's say that you are going to start going outdoors. You're going to, I am confident that this will translate into increased power and stamina and being able to be at those ranges for sustained periods of time. You're going to feel great on a bike. Um, so that's, that's uh, for the sweet spot. And we did bring in the um, third of the pyramid series, if you will, of workouts here in the lab. This one, shorter intervals, 30 seconds, going all the way up to 105% to 110, um, it's a, a 110% of FTP, 115 rather, and back down, those were five times five minute pyramids that tapped into VO2. So bringing, waking up the system, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about VO2 here later. But um, that one was a pretty challenging workout, almost as challenging as the VO2 555 that we had last week. Yeah, definitely challenging. As we start to wake up these um, VO2 engines or this um, max aerobic engines of our riders, um, I think we're definitely going to see some gains. Um, a lot of times people just jump into these very high high-end intervals earlier in their um, seasons, um, and they find they get those short-term gains. But since we've spent so much time working kind of on this base of, um, you know, 16 weeks of uh, SST or sub-threshold work, I think people are going to get very different gains this year that have been following us in the lab. So looking forward to that. So a super hot topic um, as we jump into the hot topics of the lab. I'm actually going to jump to Ian and um, just as just as controversial and exciting as it was in the first week, is it's just as exciting in the eighth week. We're going to be talking about Mac, the Max yeah. aerobic function. So we're going to throw it over to Ian. Lots of highlighted topics here in um in our uh, in our notes. So um, tell us, um, Ian, what's what? How did everybody do this time around? Well, so far, a lot of people have seen increases, which is you know we we always hope for that. But there's a lot of different factors that go into. Yeah, sorry, I'm a little winded. I'm actually still riding because uh, of travel. So the, uh, the math issue is something that doesn't factor as much your fatigue and fitness as maybe doing an FTP test. But when you're working on your heart rate, that's going to not be as good. Uh, it's going to be a harder indicator to follow because if you're tired and stressed and dehydrated, your heart rate's going to be actually elevated. So you may not be pushing what you feel, but your heart rate's giving you a different indication. So some people were, who saw that they didn't get the results they wanted or didn't get as big of an improvement may have to look at what they did for their recovery, their hydration, their sleep, for example. Because if you think about it, kicking up two or three beats per minute, you know, that's, that's going to take you out a few watts. So that might make a big change from a one-watt gain to a four-watt gain. So that's what we need to look at when you're doing this math work and understand that it's just kind of a it's a barometer. It's a brief measurement in time. So don't look at it as if I, if I only got a little bit of gain, that means I didn't get any, any more fit. Any change in that, in that dynamic of what you can push at, at that, power, that heart rate number means that it's a pretty significant aerobic gain and aerobic capacity. Now, some people, one or two people actually drop down 
But I think if we look back at what they did in the original test, we'd see that they were initially focusing on their power and not focusing on their heart rate. I think yeah. we'll see numbers that are a little bit different if you did the actual looking in depth into the uh, workout. Yeah. As we've talked about before, heart rate is definitely a variable that we don't typically use. But this um, MAF test that we've designed is a great, um, like Ian said, a great barometer, a great a great test to come back to one to figure out how you're doing on aerobic um, fitness but two you could also use this to see how your training is going or to get an idea if in fact you are um, kind of too tired or maybe um, on the end of a kind of just too much training that week you can get an idea of kind of how the power is so it and, is a test Jason, you can come back to go ahead yeah Jason I think the other part that people need to understand people look at and I have to do this myself sometimes we get so fixated and wanted to do VO2 or really high effort workouts, mm -hmm. but you can't do those for an extended period of time. Can't. Um, you know, you're looking at five to eight minutes of that really hard effort. So if you don't have the aerobic capacity to back it up and help your body clear, when it comes down to race time, when you're on a two, three, or four hour race, you're not going to have the legs because you are having to work much harder, even though the pace was slower. Over time, your effort was a lot harder because you just didn't have that capacity to clear and just ride at that steady, really a tempo pace. Right, right. And uh, this is very similar to what we've um, kind of referred to as kind of the floor or that just high tempo um, range that you are essentially trying to recover at. And so there have been some questions in the lab about um, what are the increments of gain or what are the expected gains or changes. And so if, in fact, um, you were rested um, very similarly from the first test, you're looking at a single digit anywhere from three to um, eight watts um, difference, possibly over eight weeks. But if, in fact, you're coming in tired, um, even coming back from sickness, this number can go down. Um, and that's normal. It can come back. And just like we've said before, the FTP number um, that we're using, it does fluctuate from week to week, uh, depending on what's going on. So all these numbers, in fact, in fact, if we looked at them every week, would actually be fluctuating. So just like FTP, it's a number that we use um, just as a marker in order for us to get in the ballpark. Um, MAF is a test that you can use to go back to to get a gauge of kind of how your aerobic training is going. If, in fact, you need to back off. Um, and the number's coming down because you're doing so much VO2 work, or if, in fact, um, something's going on and you're tired or need, need rest. Um, one there last, was one, one last comment on that, mm -hmm. Jason. You just, you just hit a really key point. We had a lot of people in the lab who got sick around week five, Yep. and, and yeah, they didn't really recover until week six. But I want to stress the point of if you're a week or two off of being sick, you're, not, you're probably not really recovered unless you were just down for a day. But if you were down for a three- or four-day stint, like a lot of people were with the flu this year, it, it takes a good week or two, sometimes more, to fully recover. No, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, things to look at are like resting heart rate or kind of how you're performing. Sometimes you can get some of those things back on the bike, um, but it's stuff that you have to gauge and understand that it takes time to come back. Um, and again, it's one of those roles that we play as a coach uh, to let riders know, hey, it may not be time. You need to keep efforts. If in fact you are on the bike, we need to keep them low. There was one topic um, before we leave the math um, topics here was that um, if in fact you had a super low heart rate related to power, we had a writer, um, Stefan, we, we all know Stefan on his live stream and um, his group workouts, that his math power for 20 minutes was actually higher um, than his FTP. And um, I guess putting the numbers out there, um, his math heart rate was 139, um, being 41 years old, and his math power was 339. 
and his FTP being um, actually 332. Um, so uh, this can speak to a couple things. There are a couple higher level MAF um, adjustments that we can make. Um, Stefan has been uh, working out for several years um, training um, in the triathlon world. So there are some um, adjustments that can change that FTP number. Um, I'm sorry, excuse me, that MAF number. So in fact, MAF should be a very moderate pace, meaning um, you should be at conversation, you should be able to, um, you know, carry that on. And so if in fact, I'll drop it into the, um, now that we do know a little bit more about um, MAF, I will drop it into the forum. There are some different ones for if you've been training for several years, um, if you're coming back from different things, if you take different medications. So there are some adjustments versus the straightforward 180 minus your age. And I think that's the situation that we have found it with some riders. Um, if, in fact, in Stefan, he may he may have been needed to run at um, a lower heart rate, maybe even up to 10 beats lower, and that would bring the number down. Um, if, in fact, his threshold is at 140 or 150, it could be at his age, um, but really depends on his fitness. But it definitely shows that he is aerobically fit. Yeah, but I, w- I would argue, too, that a lot of people, they, they miss time, the FTP, and they end up fading so much that their overall FTP number comes down. So, I mean, That's it'd true. be interesting to, to, to judge an FTP test for, for Stefan, a 20-minute, yeah. minute. So I hear a uh, live yeah, stream for him coming up. Yeah, I, I hear yeah. A, an F, four, a four, <laughs> I hear, I hear this, there's a really new popular one, Stefan. Is a, Stefan, it's a, it's a new uh, 40p test that everyone seems to like. We can, uh, we can send that over to you. No, and, hey. and I've seen people that, some of my athletes I coach, when you put them on a 20-minute FTP test, uh, I can pretty much guarantee that they're going to blow up and their FTP is going to be crap. But if I put them in a 40K time trial, they're going to over, they're going to have to, excuse me, their FTP. Yeah, yeah. I, pacing is key and it's tough and it's tough. Hey, people go out way too hard. And so, all right. So um, we got a couple more topics here to cover. Um, I'm going to pass this over to Taya. Um, and Taya, what was, what was the hot topic that you came across in the lab this week? So as we uh, finish here at week eight with a lot of the uh, hard workouts that we have been doing, especially week seven and eight, there was a lot of talk about fatigue. And we talked about fatigue in general in our last episode of the Coach's Corner. But what I'm referring to here is as you get tired doing your workout. So you do the first interval, you do the second, and then your legs start to really feel heavy and you're tired. Um, the pyramids are a good example. Maybe you do two of them and you're feeling good. By the third, you're really fading and then you start fading even more. It's okay to fade during your workout. It's okay to feel fatigued during your workout. In fact, it is a good thing. It means you are pushing yourself to new limits. It also means that you are prompting change in your body. That's when change happens. You don't want to have workouts that you can consistently complete because that means you're being comfortable with everything that you're doing. Uh, You need new stimulus. So um, as you get tired doing a workout, Just think to yourself, you know what? This is typically the equivalent of the key point in a race or a ride. This is where things happen or a breakaway happens. When everybody is towards the end, everybody's tired, but this is when you have to put down the power. And so training for that is important. As you feel fatigued during the workout, just remember that. The other thing that we talked about related to this topic is getting a second wind meaning you start off and you feel sluggish doing a workout and you don't think it's going to happen, but then all of a sudden you feel great. And that could happen 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, 40 minutes in. It could happen two to three hours into the workout. So let me, let me break that down into two scenarios. 
let's say that you're doing an hour and a half workout on the bike and you feel that, you know, the warm up usually people don't feel good during the warm up anyway, because this is when your body is using glycogen without oxygen to warm your body up. So if you kind of feel, you feel a little bit of lactate buildup in your legs and you don't feel great. And that's part of it. Um, that warm up though can be, can take longer for different people. You know, it might be as you age, you might find that, you know what, a 20 minute warm up would be much better than a 10 minute warm up or a 30 minute warm up would be perfect. Um, so th- those things can vary, but it could also be that when you start off, you don't have enough carbs uh, in your body. If you wake up first thing in the morning, like one of our riders here, she wakes up first thing in the morning and goes to do a workout. If you eat complex carbs um, immediately before getting on the bike, chances are your body hasn't had time to process those carbs yet. So throw in some honey, have a banana, have some simple carbs with it, so you, you're ready to get going. And that's, that might be why you know uh, somebody might be feel better feel better halfway through the workout. <clears throat> Now, the second wind itself, too, as I think runners refer to, is um, a true second wind is when you are well within a long event, and it could be an hour and a half, two hours in, and all of a sudden, it just seems like something goes off, and you just, you're completely fresh, as if you haven't even done any work. That is a little bit harder to explain, and and it's also harder to predict when that's going to happen. I've had that happen um, just a handful of times in in my history of, of doing long events um, where I felt better all of a sudden three hours in and as if I had just started. So can we start going now? <laughs> so um, just a couple of things there too uh, for you to think about. Yeah. And say, I think some of that though is, uh, is a mental is mental. Cause I know it, it doesn't have to be a, a, a long race. Cause I've had it in five K's, 10 K's, or even doing a mile where at some point in the middle, you just kind of go through a low phase. And, and then you start kind of doubting whether you're going to be able to do it or whether you can hold it. And then for me, at least, as soon as I you know, smell blood in the water, as far as my competition, like I might be able to take them out. I'll get that second win if I think I can, if I can do them in. Um, and it, all of a sudden I feel great. So for me, it's a lot of that's a mental thing. Um, and I've had it in iron distance races where, you know, at about mile 15 or 16, I kind of feel like I would hope a car veers onto the course and just runs me down. And then by mile 18 or 19, all of a sudden I start to come around. So some of that's mental. Some of it's actually just an influx of food and, and calories that all of a sudden your body responds to. So yeah, I, I think there's, there's a couple of different things that work there and it, and it just really depends on, on where you are. And, it, and it's sometimes it's awesome and sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good point, Ian. Yeah, and then speaking to the nutrition side of things, definitely um, trying different things in the morning um, and on the more simple side can be more useful. Have, getting something pretty complex in um, can be difficult. Um, for riders that have come to um, the um, the pain cave here um, uh, at my house, um, when we do training for FTP and things like that for testing, um, a lot of times I will actually have riders do something simple as like two tablespoons of maple syrup um, to just get that blood sugar going. So simple stuff like Taya mentioned like um, honey and things like that Um, and also getting some other things in depending on how long your workout is could be very very useful especially at that beginning part of the workout right some protein agree exactly exactly just depending on how long you're you're planning on going Um, yeah oh oh, oh. this point that i'll Mm -hmm. bring in here um as we talk about 
you know, the MAF test and to talk about working hard and getting fatigued and uh, recovering, etc. A lot of our writers have been commenting on the forum. They, they're feeling stronger that they go out for an event or a ride or they go skiing or whatever they go do that they feel they can tell um, that they're getting stronger. They can tell, they can feel the effects of the training and the positive effects of, of their training. And maybe in ways that aren't strictly measurable per se, in terms of, oh, you're not measuring watts to compare, but you can tell. And this is where really it counts because the concept of more power is a little bit misleading, right? Yeah. What are you going to do with more power? You just have more power, more power, more power, but then what? It really comes down to what can you do with it? How do you use it when you're out there? So um, great feedback from, from our writers here. Yeah. How many times has a writer come to us and be like, I want an FTP of XXX, you know? And then the question comes back goes, why? We're like, well, because the other writers in my group have an FTP of, or a watts per kilogram of XXX. And then the conversation has to happen of, you need to be able to use that amount. Your number doesn't need to be that. But in fact, if you're able to use that properly, I think you can, keep, you can reach your goals. So I think that's important to understand is how you use your FTP, how you use those watts per kilogram. And I think that could be very, very useful. Really quick, I've got one last tip, um, thing about fading. We did do a quick, um, I did do a quick exercise with one of our writers, I believe it was Dean, where I broke down each of the, um, his efforts um, and during his um, VO2 max um, from last week. We got a chance to look at his results and got an idea if, in fact, he was fading or if he was right where he needed to be. So we were looking at the averages over the five workouts, um, excuse me, over the five intervals, um, uh, and we were able to see kind of how much that percentage was. And it was kind of right in the sweet spot where the first one was really good, second one was right on, third one was starting to fade, and fourth and fifth were definitely kind of right on that borderline. What that allows us to do is let us know or let a writer know that he's right where he needs to be on the flip side of that in fact if let's say he was right on point for all five of them it may let us know that or the writer know that he may need to reevaluate that number or may need to kind of bump that number up for next time we do expect you to um, um, decrease in the amount of kind of average wattage for those intervals especially on a very challenging workout like the 555 that we were um, kind of looking at yeah, so. And the other part with that, Jason, that's really important is for, for mm-hmm. folks to race, those five-minute VO2 intervals and, and three and four minutes are, are actually fantastic because if you know what you can hold for five minutes, five yeah. times in recovery, you know what you can throw out as far as attacks go. And it's something we covered in skills and drills this week. If mm-hmm. you know what you can do, then you have a little bit less uncertainty in your race plan because no one else knows what you can do. So if you know I can respond for five minutes at this power or two minutes at this power and do it repeatedly, then you can attack people or respond to attacks at will or not because of the the effort that you're doing. And you fall on that floor that you have been training so hard at in your sweet spot. Exactly. Mm Exactly. Exactly. And yes, having these ranges that you know to use. So um, I saw a couple of um, other notes here, um, Ian, about um, race specificity. Was there anything else you wanted to bring of math versus VO2 kind of workouts? Or um, did you get a chance to kind of hit those points when we talked about math there at the beginning? I'm um, sorry. Say that, say that again. I had a no, I said, internet drop. <laughs> no worries. No. Um, between um, there was a couple notes of, of math between VO2 um, workouts. Like which one was better? Was there anything else we wanted to bring back um, to everybody here yeah. in the lab? 
Yeah, real quick on that one is that uh, it's very simple. Uh, it was a simple question in the lab that there, there was a question about, you know, if, should you do more math work or more VO2 SST work? If you do more math, are you, are, you know, that, that tempo, are you going to get stronger? Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. answer is yes and no. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. You know, as we've talked about quite a bit with our math and VO2 work, there's there's a different reason to do each one of them. And obviously, as you're building up, you got to do more of that that tempo work to de develop that aerobic engine. But if you don't do enough of the the VO2 and SST, then you don't develop that top end, and you don't develop that ability to clear the legs. So it, it it's not one or the other. It's it's both, and it's just a matter of me measuring it out based on where you are in your schedule, if you're planning your races, um, to determine how much you want to do of each. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good a good point. Um, with the MAF work, it goes along hand with um, kind of a lot of zone two work, um, and we don't do a whole lot of it just because we are um, because of the amount of time that our riders have. So the SST kind of zone really kind of fills that um, space, and then oppositely would be um, to get rest or if you do have extra time, all we would fill it with the zone two. All right, um, let's see. Um, anything on race prep um, for multi-sport, Ian? I see a comment so, there. Yeah, so as we start moving into the multi-sport, um, the, the race prep labs or the 12-week the 12 multi-sport lab that we've coming up, um, it's really important that everyone really manages the load on their body. As you start picking up your swim, uh, you, you have to keep an eye on the form because if your form goes away in the swim and you're still trying to push, you start doing weird compensation things that are going to lead to potentially shoulder problems or fore or wrist problems, um, neck issues. So really keep, keep an eye on that form and always understand it's better to slow it down and get better form than it is to try and go fast and, and longer with, with garbage form. Um, and if you really want to get an eye of what you should look like when you swim, right now I would say tune into the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships and watch anything that Katie Ledecky does because <laughs> she has near-perfect form, uh, demonstrated when she won the 500 uh, last night, I believe, by a length. Wow. She's amazing. Wow. Yeah. She's a freak. And, and it wasn't even a good swim for her because it was only the sixth fastest time ever in the world, which she owns the top 10. Amazing. Wow. So since we're talking about great swimming form, we're going to pass this over to Mitch. And, gonna <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna give us a couple tips here of a, of a really uh, interesting article that was brought up. So, so Mitch, um, give, give us the lowdown. Yeah, so, I mean, we're all getting ready to start going back outside, at least in the northern hemisphere here, where uh, we're going to start doing races. We're going to start really getting into our season, whether it's multi-sport or cycling. You know, we, we, we love it. We want to do it. And it always has an impact on the family. So this is really directed at the folks who have partners and, and maybe kids. And, and how do you manage it all? Um, There's actually a really interesting article in one of the UK magazines. They actually said that the divorce rate among um, cyclists, and they're, I think they're mainly pointing it at men because I think men are probably more susceptible to this than women, but maybe I'm being um, misogynist in some way. So yeah, sexist. But, you know, we tend to throw ourselves into our, our passions and our sports, and cycling and triathlon can really take over our lives, right? I mean, how many of us sit at work and reanalyze for the sixth time that training peak file from the workout this morning or agonize over the next workouts or our, our calendar and all the races we want to do? So really, this magazine focused on like five simple rules or things to focus on so that you can stay married um, if that's your goal. Um, so one of the key things that you always got to remember is we're all amateurs. We're all doing this for fun and health and fitness. Um, family comes first. So as much as I love my my bike I built last year, um, 
I really love my wife and my family more. Um, they come first. So you keep that in mind as you're doing your training and your schedule that the family comes first. Um, planning prevents poor performance is another great kind of tip here. Build your cycling and endurance calendar, calendar around your family, not vice yeah. versa. So plan a weekend a month maybe where you, you don't do tons of training, right? Give some time to the family. Spend some time with your kids. Um, when you go on vacation, don't insist that your bike joins you on vacation. If you can convince the family that a, a long bike ride is great on the vacation, then bring your bikes. But try not to just make it all about you, right? It's okay to step away from the sport for some periods of time. Um, this is my favorite because I've always done this with my my little ones is get them involved, share the sport with them. So when I was uh, deep into running a few years ago, I would have my girls ride their bikes and I would run. Um, I've got my young one right now. I have her ride with me on more casual rides, or I used to have this thing that I think Jason bought a week ago called a Weehoo, and she would pedal behind me. It was like a toe behind, and we would see how fast we could go and try to take Strava segments on my mountain bike with her in the Weehoo, and it was it was always a blast. She had a lot of fun. My wife would have been crazy if she saw how fast we were going, but you know what? Get them involved. Have fun with them. Find ways to get them doing it with you. Um, this one's a tough one. Set a budget. Don't hide expenses from your partner. <laughs> Agree on a budget and stick oh, to it. <laughs> so, so, far, I, so far, I fundamentally, fundamentally disagree with everything you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, I've, and I'm not even saying I'm really good on this one here. Uh, this is the hardest one, I think. Um, we know our sport can be expensive, but try to get everyone to understand what you're spending and, and agree on a budget and stick to it. And then this is the, I think this is the, probably the most important one that I've always tried to put in place and it, and it can be really hard is train early. Um, you know, you try to make the sport not impact the rest of the family. So if that means you got to get up an hour earlier than everybody else, or maybe two hours earlier on the weekend to get your long ride in, then, then do it. Um, you'll be better for it. If you reduce the stress in the family, because that stress is going to come back and impact you and your training. So if you can try to find a way to balance everything, I think you're going to be better off in the long run and everyone will be happier and you'll have a more successful season. And I think for the little ones too, it sends a message, right? Because if you are constantly grumpy because you're tired, because you worked out so hard or it's getting in the way and you're pushing them aside, you know, the kids will, will see the sport as something negative. Right. It's like, I'm not, I'm yeah. never going to get into it because this is the result of it. And this isn't something positive. So. And, and right. Taya, that, that brings to mind one of the ones that's not on here, which I read a few years ago, which is that when you do your big training days on the weekend, that doesn't mean you get to lay on the couch and, and kind of just yeah. be tired the rest of the day. You can't let that impact. You've got to kind of suck it up and, and you got to be chipper and you got to be involved the rest of the day and you've, you've got to find a way to get through it. Otherwise, you're just going to start losing those um, those opportunities to uh, put in those monster days. Yeah, that's definitely tough. I just I just had a quick flash forward to uh, to Taya's household where both um, both her husband and herself are both writers. And I could just imagine them both hiding expenses and then all of a sudden ending up at like the store and being like, how come we can't pay for any food? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know, Drew. I don't know, Taya. Why? How come we can't pay for anything? I don't know. We're hoping for a miracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But everyone's got like new bikes. They've got four Neos. They've got <laughs> all this like and new and nothing to eat. Like we can't eat a, a microphone. What are you talking about? 
Oh, that's awesome. All right, all right. So let's move on. Um, so we've got the lab read of the week. We actually have more than one. So let's um, go ahead. Um, Ted, you got this one? So, um, yes, I'll, I'll talk about one, and, and Ian talks about the other one. Uh, once okay. we give a shout-out, big shout-out to Jackie. Jackie, um, she, had, she did her uh, math test, and she had an improvement of 36 wow. watts over wow. the same heart rate through the course of the lab. Huge. But really, it's, there's more to it than, than just those 36 watts. What, what Jackie has accomplished here is she went from, um, she had stepped out of her training because of a lot of things that were going on in her life. And so she had done one of the women's labs last year, and then she wasn't able to train for a long period of time. And she was very reluctant to come back and jump into a lab because she wasn't sure whether she was going to be able to do all the workouts, but also that she was in a good enough shape to do it. But she took the chance anyway. We talked about it quite a bit before she joined and we made adjustments along the way. And so even though she did not complete every single workout in the lab, she did, she did the best that she could. And that for her was enough to show that big improvement in fitness. So, Jackie, way to go. Now, that, that's amazing. And I think we have a name for, we have two things we call people who complete every uh, workout in the lab. They're called liars or Seth. Um, <laughs> Seth, I love it. <laughs> because there are people I know who, who claim they get everything in. Maybe Dean, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, There's a, there, we ha- we definitely have a couple. Uh, I guess in school we used to call them gunners, where like they didn't ever yeah. miss any class, any lab. They did really well in everything, and like every box was always checked. But yeah, we have some really great writers. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from the multi-sport side, we have Tina, who uh, not only had improvements on her in her math math work and the work she did on the cycling side, but monster improvements across the board in the swimming and swimming and bike or swimming and run. Um, and then she, and then to top it off, she said, you know what? I, I was going to go easy this weekend before we do testing in the lab, but now nah, I'm going to run a half marathon instead. Nice. And uh, yeah. And she knocked off a minute from her previous year's time, which wow. you know she was pretty trained up for. Yeah. A minute. And, and she was just kind of pacing herself, holding back a little bit. So, I mean, she's already gone, done huge, uh, huge, uh, had huge improvements. Excuse me. And, and she's now setting up for her, her next big event, which is a, a half iron distance or 70.3 coming up early in the summer. So we're hoping to get her uh, pushed forward quite a bit and get her so she not only completes it, but completes it comfortably. And, and if she sets a PR, great, but she's definitely going to get through it a lot stronger. So she, Tina, just killed it in the last few weeks of this lab and, and uh, has also been hugely supportive of the other uh, ladies that she's been helping out along the way. Yeah, it, it is really just such a great community that um, we've kind of put together, both on the tri side, um, multi-sport side, and as well as the cycling-only side. People are definitely, you know, reaching out. We're seeing more conversation as the week goes on. And, you know, as we get those new videos of every week, people are really chatting back and forth. So let's take a peek over the horizon here. Um, I'm actually going to... Um, throw this back over to Taya uh, to give us a little bit more about the performance lab um, and kind of our the, the schedule as we move forward. Um, and then we're also going to hopefully chat a little bit about um, there's going to be a week in between here where there isn't going to be any scheduled workouts and, you know, how that could all uh, kind of throw everybody off. So we can chat a little bit about that. So what, what can we look forward to in the performance lab here, Taya? So the performance lab, which is starting on the 26th of March, we're going to take this solid base that you have built 
uh, with all the work in this lab and use it as a springboard so we can work on shorter but more intense intervals. So we turn up the intensity now in threshold and VO2 as uh, most of us will be transitioning to events and um, outdoors, longer rides. So the workouts will be more intense, but not longer. You will see on the schedule workouts that are an hour uh, to an hour and 10 long on average, but they will tap into shorter intervals at higher intensity. We're going to be, some of the things we're going to be working on is going to be, uh, we're going to work on a variety of skills here because this is the perfect timing. We're going to be working on climbing with low cadence, so short, steep climbs and longer climbs. We're going to be working on um, VO2, of course. We're going to be working on some time trialing skills. We're going to have um, a little bit of SST still because you can never abandon those and also threshold work. A lot to look yeah. out for. And most importantly, too, is... is um, as a lot of us are able to train outside, the weather gets uh, better. A lot of these workouts can be done outside as well. Yeah, and I think that's key as we get into this part of the season in North America. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I have taken um, a couple of the workouts outdoors. Um, it does make for a funny looking uh, a funny looking Strava ride as I'm just going back and forth between a couple miles of uh, of the area that I'm doing just because the the terrain. Um, but it is definitely something that we are looking to make sure that you guys are able to do. Um, and as far as to speak to the different skills, um, we, we could easily put you guys out and do a bunch of, you know, three, three, fives, five, five, fives, all the VO2 stuff at just, you know, five minutes, three minutes, four minutes, eight minute intervals. But what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to layer that on top on actual skills that you'll be able to use outdoors. So whether that be climbing at that, you know, lower SST pace, low cadence, and then popping up for um, a VO2 punch at the top of a, um, to go over a hill, um, to pass another rider in the middle of a hill, we're going to try to build those on top of the skills that we already have and also hit those um, areas that we want you to be able to get better at um, and specifically VO2 max in this workout. So look for those kind of layers on the workouts that will allow you to get more out of this, you know, hour and a half that you're putting into um, or this just over an hour that you're putting into the workouts. And, and so you have the flexibility, mm -hmm. right, Jason, it will have the flexibility on your schedule too to do those rides that you enjoy doing outside. So you have some flexibility for right. you know, rides and events. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, ask questions as it does get closer as well. You know, sw swapping out um, workouts for different rides, depending on how those rides are, you can give us an idea and we can let you know what that can be swapped out for depending on the length and the intensity so that you can still get the work, um, the work that you're looking to do. <clears throat> So I guess um, I guess the question becomes, um, it doesn't start at the end of this week because this is the end of week eight. Um, what are we recommending for riders to do um, during that week in between before the performance lab starts then? Other than sign up for the performance lab. Well, obviously we're looking at doing probably eight hour rides at VO2. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the whole way. Now, uh, you know, it, it, this is the fun part of, you know, we're, we didn't have a really, really hard week to close this out because we were doing some testing, but we still had a hard week. It just wasn't a crazy monster week. So the fun thing is, I would say this week is we can have, if you missed a little bit of racing and you want to get back on and do a race or two, that's okay this week, but try not to overcook yourself. So let's, let's throw in there a little bit of some surging. So if you don't want to race, you just want to get in and do a ride. Maybe don't do a structured ride. Get on Zwift or go outside and pick some pick something where you're going to say, I'm going to put in a really hard effort. 
from here to the light pole or on the front side of the climb or I'm going to just go for green jerseys and see what sprint point sprint I can get. Uh, I'm going to see what I can hold for a minute, a couple of things like that to, to try and have some fun and, and get your brain back active and in, into it. So you're not just chasing numbers on the screen. That's one of the things I plan on doing when I'm taking my non-traditional weeks or I would call my transition weeks. Yeah. I think it's definitely important. You know, the mental side of things is really, really important. Giving your chance, um, yourself a chance to get off of structure. Um, but after eight or 16 weeks of having complete structure, sometimes you look at the schedule and be like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? So, um, but yeah, take some, take a little bit of a intensity out. Think if, if you actually need some sort of metric, think about how many hours you spend um, kind of on the bike doing work. Um, cut that down um, anywhere from 50 to 60%. That'll give you your number um, that you want to hit hours-wise possibly, maybe cut out a long ride the weekend before. That way you come in um, fresh to the first week of the performance lab. I think those riders who um, have enjoyed the lab thus far, uh, the performance lab is going to be great. And if you liked um, the base lab, you like all the, the ones before, tell a friend, bring them in the lab. Um, you know, a lot of times people are like, this is great. I don't want to tell anyone because everyone, I'm getting faster than everyone. So, but in fact, um, as a group, it's definitely more fun. And as you spread the word of how you're getting faster and um, the amount of structured work you're doing or maybe even less work. Um, we typically find that um, you're doing less but more focused work, but you're able to get the, the fitness in, um, you know, bring those people in. Um, it's, a, it's a great time. And even jumping in at this time could, could be very useful for a lot of riders just because of the time of the year. Definitely, definitely. All right, all right. So it looks like we've got um, all of our topics through today. We've had a really um, exciting one, just... one last thing, Jason. Sure, let's do it. Yeah, so we we basically covered it, but uh, Mitch and I are going to be putting out. Uh, Sorry, that's right. Starting that's right. Saturday for those mm-hmm. who are doing the uh, doing the tri season this year, the long course and the short course plans. That's right. Twelve weeks. They're not fixed to a date though, so which is great. So if you're a uh, have a long course or a short course try, that's that's in August. Then you can grab this later on and start it, you know, 12 weeks from race date. Actually, 13, because I do include include free a race week in there. So that's all built in. Um, <laughs> it does nice. have a taper. Yeah, you know, it's, hey, that's how we roll, man. I give an extra week free. Um, yeah. It's, it does have a taper in there, so you don't have to worry about planning your taper. And it's got your race week planned out for you. So all of that's built in there. And if you ha- if you get it and it doesn't fit exactly because maybe you're a lot faster or maybe you're not quite as strong and you, you, your running isn't your suit or something isn't your suit, we can help you tweak it a little bit here and there to make it make it fit exactly what you want. So if you're a run walker or you're still really weak in the pool, we can give you some different uh, workouts that'll help you help you get better in the pool. But so take a look at that. It's really it's a, I think we've got a really good program. It's modeled off of someone's ideas for very successful races in Saint Croix and in Worlds and leading <laughs> up to in uh, Miami Man. So um, that's kind of how I modeled it. So I know the plan works. We just got to tweak it for for individuals as needed, but I think it. Uh, I think everyone will really uh, like this plan a lot. And I know Mitch has got some good work put into the short course version too. That's awesome. Yeah, and this um, this modular um, use of the plans is something that we are going to be um, offering as we move forward, as we develop all of the leveled plans. Riders will be able to kind of drop this in um, when they need it as they get ready for races and that sort of different thing. 
So um, that look forward to that both on the cycling side um, and the triathlon side or the multi-sport side already, um, and then look moving forward on the cycling side. Um, sorry for missing that, but yes, great, some great information there, Ian. So, all right, so really great topic today. We got a little bit of insight from the coaches as far as kind of the real food that they eat and then all the really good food that uh, Taya has. And um, a quick wrap-up on um, the week in the lab and the different workouts that we did, um, the hot topics of um, math. Um, and our testing this week, as well as fatigue and pushing through workouts, um, a bunch of stuff as far as um, the specificity of different workouts and things uh, in that respect. And then some great tips on Mitch on how to keep uh, and stay in our marriages and uh, making sure we fit our cycling and our families in our life. And also a great shout out to our two lab rats of the week. So I want to thank the coaches for coming in. I want to thank everybody listening in. And if you'd like to hear this, whether it be on the live stream or on the replay on YouTube. You could also listen to this on a podcast version. And all you need to do is go to your favorite podcast app and search for The Endurance Lab and go ahead and subscribe there. That's really the best way to get this. You can listen to it on the bike. You can listen to it um, on the way to work. You should not listen to it when your significant other is trying to talk to you. That's really tough to do. Um, so, um, and headphones. Yeah, yeah, big earphones. So, but with that, I want to thank um, everyone listening in. I want to thank the coaches for their time, and we'll see everybody else next week in the Coaches Corner.